This is an ABC podcast. How does your boss keep tabs on your work? Before the pandemic, they probably popped their head over the partition or reviewed your KPIs over a coffee. Now, with the rise of working from home, many companies are increasingly using time-tracking software or surveillance technologies that allow employers to check what you're up to whenever and wherever you are. I'm Lisa Leong. Today on This Working Life, the rise of Big Brother at Work. We'll take a closer look at how you're being tracked, how it's changing your work, and if there's anything you can do about it. While there's been a dramatic uptick in the use of workplace tracking technology in 2020 due to COVID-19, surveillance in the workplace certainly isn't new. At the turn of the century, a man named Frederick Winslow Taylor became convinced that one machine could revolutionise productivity in factories across the world. The stopwatch. He really innovated this idea of kind of literally standing behind workers with a stopwatch and taking detailed notes on every movement that they did, timing everything, um, in order to then create a kind of early algorithm um, for the most efficient way that a factory worker, for example, ought to be doing their job. And so there's always been this kind of surveillance aspect to to work and there's always been this this kind of managerial control or this and this imperative towards uh, more efficiency and more monitoring and more tracking but what we see right now is that there there's the technologies and the the abilities are now available to really supercharge this kind of surveillance and discipline and monitoring to increasingly higher levels that's Dr. Jathan Sadowski. He's a research fellow in the Emerging Technologies Research Lab at Monash University. Whilst this idea of tracking and timing work isn't new, it's certainly gotten a lot more sophisticated than Taylor's old stopwatch. For the most part, these softwares, you know, during working hours can track pretty much anything an employee is doing. I'm Elizabeth Lyons, Assistant Professor at the School of Global Policy and Strategy at UC San Diego. The things employers are really looking for, like what websites are employees on? Are these productive or unproductive websites? What apps are they using? How much time are they spending on their different tasks? These softwares take screenshots. I think all the softwares also have the capabilities to track keystrokes and mouse clicks. So basically, these softwares can really track everything that goes on on employee computers. And importantly, employees turn these softwares on and off. So this is not tracking employees on non-work time. So increasingly, I've been seeing that these softwares are, you know, using machine learning techniques to try to predict what types of activities are associated with higher productivity, what time of day employees are more productive, what kind of breaks might help employees become more productive. And they're also trying to associate these like keystrokes and mouse clicks with actual productive outcomes. Because those things on their own, you know, it might be just be busy work or inefficient work. If you're just typing a ton, they're really trying to like link those types of metrics with real outcomes. Liz says that even without this time tracking software being installed on your work computer, bosses can still see what you're up to, should they choose to. 
you know, when you enter your workplace, you swipe your ID card, they know you're there. Um, you swipe when you leave. That's kind of a um, initial version of this rather than you signing in and out manually they actually know because you've had to swipe your card all your emails of course belong to to the employer and they can read everything you've sent and certainly when you're on your company's computer then they can see where you're going so even you know without the remote work software introduction this type of tracking of online activity and emails is certainly you know possible and in many contexts quite standard And of course, it's not just office dwellers who are subject to this kind of technology. Depending on on where a business is operating, you may also get like fitness trackers, you know, things in smartphones to track actually how much they're walking around and things like that. And then similarly in warehouses, you know, if it's a fulfillment center, they might have, you know, tracking on the different products on the shelf so they know exactly when something's picked off a shelf how long it takes for it to get from the shelf to to wherever it's supposed to go and those types of things so tracking is happening or can happen in virtually any any work setting many of our workplaces are now saturated with technology that's specifically designed to keep an eye on what we're up to and boost productivity Tyler Selhorn is the Head of Customer Experience at Hubstaff, which is one of many employee time-tracking software programs. Organizations that might have people working with them separately from their physical location, they can track their time and for both the end user and the employer, they get an opportunity to have a shared proof of work. How intrusive is it? Like, can it track my keystrokes, for example, on the keyboard? We do not track keystrokes, but we do take a true or false value for for when activity is happening. So if your mouse what is moving or if you're typing. And then how is that useful? How are you going to know when someone is tracking time and nothing is happening? Right. So if you're going to pay somebody in a you know location independent fashion, how are you going to be able to say that something was happening when that time was being tracked? There's a certain amount of trust that needs to be gained or extended from both ends of that employer-employee relationship. And you know, Hubstaff is enabling the opportunity for both of those parties to have the transparency, access, and control that needs to come with you know, an opportunity for those people to be working uh, independent of you know, any sort of supervision. We are not tracking screenshots and activity tracking to necessarily benchmark you against another person or I mean um, the thing that I would encourage you to be thinking about is that it's going to amplify whatever kind of management you already have inside of your your company. And what would you say some of the benefits would be for employees using this type of technology? There's a lack of the need to check in all the time or the manager who might feel a little bit worried about what, what's happening today. Well, you're tracking time to a project, right? And here, that's what you're working on. Um, the other thing that really is key to having time tracking be a part of an employee's day-to-day is that you know it might be Thursday morning and you're exhausted. Well, if you've been tracking time, you already know that you're, you're approaching 50 hours, right? Well, okay, uh, you know, let's make sure that we have you know, some data to be able to analyze what it is you've been working on and how much time you've been working on it. 
it's it it sounds like this will work really well if we have really well-intentioned employers and well-intentioned employees, but we know that life isn't like that. So isn't it really, you know, come on, Tyler, isn't it really surveillance? Isn't it really surveillance? I, I'm, I, I, I do, I do want to push, I do want to push back on that. Um, I, I don't agree with that statement. The end result is that if you want to, you know, purchase a surveillance product, right? Like that's available to you and Hubstaff isn't that. So yes, there, there is a reality to be dealt with, but at the same time, we also understand that, you know, the world is going to remote. And so how can we do that in a way that does, you know, have an opportunity for people to you know, move the sliders of trust towards one another and, and reaching a place where instead of, you know, paying for an office, right? You know, what, 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 is, what is the office, right? Well, we're all going to be here at the same time so that I can see you, right? Well, instead, we're going to say, okay, for those employers that, that need to have that kind of visibility, we're going to enable that to happen in a remote environment. And for workers like Candace, who's a digital marketer for the IELTS podcast, which supports students to study for official English language tests, this kind of time tracking software allows her to easily collaborate with her boss, Ben, and a team who are all based around the world. I don't have a problem with it at all. I think you have to put a lot of trust in someone that's working remotely because um, Ben has no idea of knowing what I'm doing all day long. So I think for transparency on both ends, it's beneficial to use time tracking software. Because I'm working remotely, um, for me personally, it also keeps me on track. So uh, like at the end of the day, I can see exactly how much time I spent doing work because it's so easy to decide to wake up at 10 o'clock in the morning and then by two o'clock in the afternoon, you feel tired and you think, oh, well, I've done a lot today. And when you actually go back and check your timesheets, you, you'll see that you haven't really been as productive. So in terms of having that kind of transparency, I think it works really well. For Candace's boss, Ben, though, this technology isn't perfect. The problem with these time trackers in general is that it only monitors what's going on in the laptop. So if one of my team members pulls away from the laptop and just starts jotting ideas down or wants to do some sort of like free thinking or whatever, then the software obviously doesn't capture that. And then there's another thing as well that usually there is an activity rate which shows the amount of activity going on on the computer. So it might be like the, the number of mouse movements or the number of keystrokes. But sometimes, I remember on one report, it showed the activity was 20%. And I was like, hey, Nadine, why is it at 20%? She's like, yeah, because I was reading the students' essays. And I was like, ah, okay. So it doesn't capture the full picture, I'd honestly have to say. But it gives you a good guideline. I think... If you, I think a good relationship with your team can compensate and almost replace this time tracking software. For example, we have 30 minute meetings every Monday about what was going on, about what's going to be done this week. And also just like a personal check-in with each other. And I think this helps a lot to reduce the reliance on this time tracking software. It's definitely useful, but it's not the single tool 
for working remotely. There's a, quite a lot of other components. I'm Lisa Leong, and you're listening to This Working Life. Today, we're zooming in on the rise of Big Brother in the workplace. So there's a whole host of time and productivity tracking technology available to companies. And while there are some benefits for those working remotely, how is this kind of technology being used in workplaces where employees aren't sitting at a computer screen all day? Hi, my name's Emma. And when I'm not at uni, I work for a clothing company in their warehouse. They use these scanners to show you the location to get the product from. And then you would run around, get the product and fill the box for that store. And there could be up to 300 to 400 items in that box. And then that system would then send out that box to that store. And so each of us were obviously tracked throughout our day and shifts and weeks. And then we'd have a review with our supervisor to be like, hey, actually, you're only picking 120 items, it says you know, through the system that you fall in an average of 20% or something like that. And in order to get shifts, we have to keep a certain average of productivity in that way. I liked the fact that you were kind of trying to better yourself and they would even have meetings with people like myself and they would be like, okay, so how can we improve this efficiency? What makes you slow down? And they were just like really practical things. Like for example, I was a bit shorter. So I said, well, there's not enough step ladders because the shelves were so high. And so they just like got seven new step ladders to improve the productivity or, um, you know, they let us listen to music the whole time. So we had our headphones in and once they brought that in, they realized that productivity went up by a certain percent because people weren't talking. And so then there was a rule that you had to have headphones in or you don't talk. So that was like, another level of productivity. So it was all kind of, in a way, how can we make this the most machine-like without human flaws in a way? When we're considering the use of these productivity and time tracking technologies, Lauren Kate Kelly from the United Workers Union says it's important to consider the relationship between employees and employers that already exists. In these instances, when we're thinking about workplace surveillance, it's important not to get too distracted by the spectacle or the use of the technology itself, but sort of seek to understand it in the context of the employment relationship and issues of power asymmetry in the workplace. And how are you seeing this surveillance technology, as you put it, affecting the relationship between employers and employees? It's corrosive. And particularly in the context of insecure forms of work, which is where it really takes root, employers are seeking to outsource the employment relationship entirely to a third party, such as a labour hire agency or through ongoing casualisation or to tech companies through these apps and platforms. And what it's about is shifting risk and responsibility away from firms and onto individual workers. And this has profound effects for the employment relationship and for the social contract. So am I hearing that it might not even be about the technology if you don't or if you don't pay attention to the relationship between employer and the employee, then it it doesn't really matter what's available. You'll be abusing it or using it in a way that fits that relationship as it stands. That's how I see it. 
Because the most egregious forms of workplace surveillance and, di and discipline of workers takes place in contexts where people don't have a lot of power, where workers don't have basic rights and conditions that are associated with having a permanent or a secure job. It means that, for instance, if a person is working in a warehouse through a labour hire company and they're having to work through a scanner gun that, that seeks to intensify their work, speed up the work day, make them work as fast as possible, which means they're literally running from one box to the next. It means that if a person doesn't have the security to be able to speak up and raise these issues, the capacity for employers to take a very punitive stance towards workers is greatly enhanced. And so uh, one way to really combat the more punitive or disciplinary uses of these technologies is to ensure that people have safe and secure jobs so that they can uh, fully participate in public life, and that includes the workplace. It means that they can organise and join a union and they can chat to their workmates about how they think their workplace should be run. It means that they have the security to raise objections with their employer and have a conversation about things. And that's not possible when people don't have a secure job. And that's not that helpful um, for the employers either to have unintended consequences for the use of surveillance. So in the warehouse example, um, if people are not taking their proper breaks, if they're not able to go to the bathroom when they need because they're worried about their stats, uh, then that's not really going to help anyone, is it? That's absolutely right. And I think that there is a lot of short-sightedness going on where there's a bit of a scramble at the moment to implement some of this new tech. It's seen as being very shiny and a silver bullet that can fix all workplace problems, but there's a lot of friction involved. It often just, it doesn't work. And fundamentally for firms, they need to think about what creates value and workers, skilled workers and happy workers create value. Taking the employer's perspective though, wouldn't they say, look, by doing this, we give you the freedom to work from home whilst maintaining our required levels of productivity so that we can actually run this business. What would you say to that? I think in those um, instances, having some flexibility that works both ways is a good thing. Uh, certainly, employers and business groups have been talking about workplace flexibility for many decades now as, as something that's extremely important. But the flexibility side of things tends to be very one-sided. And if it is the case that people are having to install software that can peek into their homes and monitor them in a very private space, uh, it's hard to see how that's appropriate uh, or even a requirement of flexibility. And perhaps if I can give you an example, a really good real-world example of in-home care that's starting to use, will really rely upon these, the use of these apps to manage the work and so the situation now is workers are managed via and through this app and mm -hmm. it automatically assigns clients and tasks how long they should take down to the second and right. it also dictates the route of travel that a worker should take in between clients and how long it should take and there are, and there are other things going on with the use of this app as well for instance it functions as a gps tracker this particular app is really marketed as being great for flexibility because it says that workers have access to all this information from management 24-7. But how it works in practice is workers are expected to be always on and always contactable and their rosters are constantly in flux and always 
being changed because the expectation is that if management makes a change, they see it instantaneously because it's right there on their phone. So when we talk about workplace flexibility, what we really see is the euphemism for workers being expected to, you know, do a somersault backwards for their employers. But I don't often see times when that genuine flexibility is reciprocated from employers as well. That's Lauren Kate Kelly, Senior Policy Researcher from the United Workers Union. So if this technology is changing your workplace and affecting your job negatively, is there anything you can do about it legally? What people often find surprising is that in Australia, there is no general right to privacy. And instead, privacy is regulated by what's a pretty complicated web of federal, state and territory laws, meaning that whether or not an employer is allowed to monitor you and to what end is is not always immediately clear and can sometimes turn on a case-by-case basis. My name is Patrick Turner. I'm a senior associate at Morris Blackburn Lawyers. So, for example, in Queensland, where um, I work, uh, we currently have very limited protections um, in place. We have some protections in place against the recording of private conversations. And that contrasts with most other states where there are more comprehensive laws regarding the use of listening devices, optical surveillance devices, tracking devices, and data surveillance devices. So, um, for example, by contrast, in Victoria, there are express prohibitions on employers knowingly installing, using or maintaining an optical surveillance device or listening device. But but that prohibition is on um, observing, listening, recording or monitoring the activities or conversations of a worker in a toilet, in a washroom, in a change room or in a lactation room. At the federal level, there's some broader protections under what's called the Privacy Act, which prohibits breaches of what are called Australian privacy principles. And there's a number of those, but but to summarise them, they cover things like the use, management and collection of personal information, the storing of personal information, the right of individuals to access personal information that's kept about them. And personal information is pretty broadly defined. It's really any information from which the person is reasonably identifiable. Now, there are exemptions there for employers in, in terms of records, what are called employee records that they hold or that they did hold, which contain the personal information of employees. And that includes things like personal information about the performance of employees. So what it means is that often whether or not a form of surveillance, for example, a device that's being used or a program that's being used to, to monitor or to track or to surveil employees in the workplace or increasingly at home, what it often boils down to is a question of whether or not consent has been sought and whether or not appropriate protections are in place about the use of the information that's being gathered. Patrick says it's time for the law to catch up. The law certainly needs to change. I think with people working from home due to COVID-19, certainly anecdotally, there appears to be a great number of employers who are increasingly looking to use technology to scrutinise employees and to deploy surveillance, which is reaching into the home. There's certainly gaps in the existing legislation that's in place. It's not consistent nationally. That makes it difficult for employers to comply with it as well. So greater consistency is certainly something that we should look to. Really, something that I'm passionate about is ensuring that there are sufficient protections in place. It looks like the trend of working from home is not going to go away. There is a whole range of information that employers may be gathering on employees in an area of their life where otherwise their employer would not have any scrutiny. So we need to be really careful 
about uh, making sure that people are protected in the home, uh, but also in other facets of their life where their personal information is being gathered. So I think we should be hesitant about going further down this path without reflecting on um, what we need to do to make workplaces safe, healthy and happy places for employees. That's Patrick Turner, Senior Associate at Morris Blackburn Lawyers. Next week, we're going to dig a little deeper into the world of Big Brother in the workplace and examine how it's changing our work for the future. Not everything that is valuable can be measured and not everything that can be measured is valuable. We should be very careful with how we use measurement because to the point, what gets measured gets done. We'll examine how time tracking and surveillance is changing the way we work and we'll ask whether these technologies really do boost productivity. This episode of This Working Life was produced by our wonderful new team member, Edwina Stott. Ed, welcome to the Madhouse. And supervising producer, Maria Tickle, who doesn't use surveillance software. Or so we think. I'm Lisa Leong, and until next time, keep working. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.